This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. So this week we'll discuss the draw versus Huddersfield, we'll discuss all the kind of incomings and outgoings uh, from the end of the transfer window, including a couple of surprises. We've got lots of audio covering Liam Moore, uh, Josh Mazur and a couple of other elements as well. And of course we'll look ahead to Wigan this weekend. Okay and welcome back to the pod, uh, Dan and Andy, how have you both been guys? Dan, you been okay? Yeah, I've been pretty fine, thank you, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, thank you, mate. Um, I'm on my way to booking a Las Vegas trip uh, this evening when this is done. So, yeah, happy, busy week. Hopefully, ha- uh, ending on a happy note. <laughs> how, how are you anyway, Andy? You okay, mate? I'm all right. I'm just hoping I can get some Bournemouth tickets at midnight when they go on general sale. They have, have I, like, I think there's three rows left. So three rows. You'll get there, mate. Yeah. Is there any match that you don't go to, by the way? I don't know how the hell you afford to go every single away game. <sighs> I can't go Nottingham because obviously they sold out pretty much instantly. But yeah, they've Long got an—I think they've got an extra thousand seats in the Brian Clough stand, but they've decided not to sell them. So. Oh, okay. Well, they know you're coming, mate. They don't want any troublemakers. Um. Anyway, glad you put... sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty part-time, really, Dan. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get into things. Um, as always, uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in uh, in recent weeks. Uh, always good to see the numbers and good to see some really uh, interested interaction and feedback. So thank you very much for that. But uh, kicking off with um, what was a very eventful game, uh, Huddersfield. So where do we start with this? I mean, Dan, I'll, I'll kind of start with you, mate, in terms of the obvious things that are going to come up here. We're obviously going to be talking about the, the tackle, uh, of course. So um, I'll let you lead the way, mate. Also, Gavin Ward used to be a respectable name related to Stoke City. The goalkeeper, though, not the referee, because that guy, oh, my Lord. What? How? How did he come to the conclusion he's got a perfect sideline? The players have shared there's nobody in his way. How has he not seen that tackle on Howard Bellies as a straight red card? 
But the guy's well, he hasn't even seen it as a free kick. No. He just, he just sort of, it's like, I mean, people say like, oh, Harwood Bell should have stayed down, Rolder. I don't think that would have made a blind bit of difference. This guy's just, the, uh, he's, I'll tell you what, he's got a history though, right? I, I've had a look at this. He's left us 10 times. He sent off Sam Lucas against QPR, eight minutes in for, well, Put it this way, they don't. It, it's it's not it's not exactly a, a definite red card, but he couldn't wait to get his card out that time. Jerry, I think Sam Cook has got tackled, clearing the ball, and he sort of just, you know, his foot got sort of tangled in with the QPR defender, and he's just sort of like, you know, I don't I don't know if he sort of kicked out as it, but it, they're definitely not always they're not ones that you know, like, you know were always given. And then if you remember. He's the he's the guy who sent off Norrington Davies at Huddersfield last season after 45 minutes. You know, and Norrington Davies when he won the ball, but his momentum took him into Bakuna. Oh, yes, tackle. I remember. Yes. Yeah, he was the referee that day. So he sees that as a red card. He thinks that's a red card. <laughs> and somebody wins the ball and is what, you know, he probably did ride the ball a bit. But if you go, if you go, if you're nowhere near the ball, and you're not, you know, going above ankle high, but you're going at the knee, that's fine. Yeah, not even a free kick. What I don't understand as well, obviously, he can't be punished for it now because apparently the referee saw it, which makes it even worse. If he's, yeah. why didn't he? In his report, just go, Luke, I clearly didn't see it. it. Was the angle or something to buy himself a little bit of? A little bit of credit, to be honest, but um, to say that he actually saw it and he didn't deem that a free kick will probably explain why the guy's been demoted to a League Two match this weekend. Um, and yeah, and well, two blinking right. The thing is, it's not even that he missed. There was a penalty on Campbell he missed, and then there was the, there was another red card for a tackle on Brown that he didn't give. There was a blatant, you know, there was a definite red card. He was over the ball, you know, on, on Brown's shin. But I mean, I mean, that day the ten matches he's ref, he was also the fourth official. At home to Barnsley this season, you know, when it all kicked off in the technical area at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. And Dean, remember Dean Holden standing there, and then them two Barnsley coaches sort of set on him, pushing him and you know, hitting him and stuff. And and the only person who got red carded from rightly was Dean Holden, and he was he just stood there like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but, uh, what, yeah, Jesus. He did nothing, but he, Gavin Wood was the fourth official who told the ref, yeah, that's your man. You got to send him off. So Makes you wonder that, whether he's got a vendetta. There's something somewhere. not right here. I mean, his name's going to come up later on in this pod for a different reason. But even that, <laughs> there's, there's even something regarding that that, that wasn't, you know, um, that wasn't plain sailing in that. You just you just wonder what I, I if I was. I remember Tony Pugh was doing it with Martin Atkinson. He sort of they sent all the evidence to the FA and they said, you know, this referee is really not welcome to referee our games. Uh, because, you know, he's got this, he's got this, he's got this. It appears that there's something comes over him that blinds his vision when he's reffing out, when he's reffing our games. And I'd be tempted if I was stoked to do the same because you know, for how many matches he's actually been involved in to have all those sort of, you know, dubious decisions and that and all go the same way. There's, there's something it doesn't, something doesn't quite add up, whether it's yeah. subconscious or whatever. Yeah, something's not right there. Yeah, too right, mate. And I don't think he's going to be refereeing a Stoke game anytime soon. Um, 
Andy, um, I mean, we've obviously covered a lot in that particular tackle, mate, but uh, any other observations about the tackle? I'm assuming yours just reflects us, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Um, obviously, if you see the replays and when they actually zoomed in on Howard Bellis, when he actually pointed to where the tackle was, we were all thinking, has, has he actually broken his leg? Considering it was pretty much where the knee height is, so lucky. It's not even like getting away with a booking, getting away with not even conceding the foul and then them having a throw in. It's. Yeah. And then the, the penalty, actual the penalty the scores six minutes later. Yeah. And then the penalty oh, decision no. two minutes after he scored. Obviously, we're down the other end. We couldn't really see too much, but even we could tell it was a penalty. And refereeing, we've said it in the championship, isn't the best of standards, but I think Gavin Ward has basically just shown the epitome of it. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, mate, I mean, I'm glad he's been... They haven't said it is a demotion, but I mean, to go from a championship to a League Two game... Most definitely is a demotion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think clearly he's... You know, yeah. He should have. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to keep going into it. We, we've covered it really. But um, I think, in a more positive note, um, I thought second half we were by far the better team. Uh, I think every pundit that I've kind of heard of, kind of giving their opinions on as well, said that really we should have probably won the game. Uh, we did enough to win the game. Um, and one person I want to call out, and I know we've got Nick Powell, and I know you guys will probably want to call him out. But um, again, Jacob Brown. It's it's weird with Jacob. The guy hasn't done much for a couple of weeks. We're all the other week kind of saying, no, he's kind of going off the boil a little bit. And then, you know what? He pops up with a really quality finish, a, a really nice finish with the outside of his foot. Um, and it's it's weird, Reno. With him, he reminds me of like a Cameron Jerome. And I've, I've made that kind of observation maybe a couple of times during this season. But uh, if he has time to think about something, he's his own worst enemy. If he's literally in a situation where he's just got to hit it, um, for me, he nails it every single time. Um, so, yeah, Jacob, just when you think he's down and out and on his way, you know, into some bad form after bringing in some strikers, he goes and does that. So um, that guy doesn't know when to quit. If I'm not mistaken, he's uh, top goal scorer now, I think. Yeah, he's got seven this season, seven. I do believe. Yeah. And to be fair, he doesn't normally score out from outside the box, really, does he? Everyone around me thought, even myself, thought it was Lewis Baker, obviously, because he can hit it from distance. We couldn't hear on the PA who it was. My mate next to me checked um, on actual one football to see who it was, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's Jacob Brown." Oh my! Have they borrowed the uh, Stoke Tano, you have they, mate? The, the Stoke. Uh, <laughs> oh. They done. <laughs> no, we couldn't hear it because obviously how loud it was, and all the fans going towards the Huddersfield fans, which we won't we won't talk about that. But everyone was just shocked that it was Brown from that distance. Well, good good on him, mate. I think I think he, again he went off the boil a little bit. Um, what do you think about Nick Powell? Obviously, getting oh, a bit more take game time. Brilliant when he came off the bench. He changed how the team was. Obviously, he, I've said it, he's probably our most creative player at the club. And he's coming back from a long-term injury. And you can't really play him from the start. I know you have your thing from, oh, if you can't play 90 minutes. If you can't play 90 minutes, play him 60 or 70 or however long you can. But I think in that game with him coming off the bench was the better option because Huddersfield getting a bit tired and he changed the game pretty much instantly he inspires confidence don't he dan for, oh, yeah. for everyone around him i think it's it's very clear that that's he comes on and he just changes the mentality of the team and you can only imagine a fit nick powell 90 minutes that's what he does for the whole team itself he can drag them through games you know give them that confidence that one moment of kind of brilliance can win them the game and it, it just inspires confidence don't it dan 
Yeah, it's. it's um, I think it's been quite easy to forget just how good a player he is and just how important he is to us. I mean, I, on my notes, I sort of got Powell back. I got Mario off injured with like a emoji of looking at the ceiling, like rolling your eyes. And, but, and, then, and then next to it, Powell's back though, and then a heart eye emoji. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think him coming on and Alan coming on as well was the difference once it's second half. Um, but he's, he's, I just put Powell, he looked busy and he just got like, he got that swagger about him, Ante. I mean, seeing as he hadn't played for so long and obviously he's coming back from injury, he, he just picked up where he left off. It was, there was no like easing into the game, was there? He was just like there and he holding people, you know, rushing people off, little deft touches here and there or, you know, incisive passes. He's, he just had everything. He just gave us completely. You know, extra dimensions to when we were going forward, and just we look such a better side when he's playing. Yeah, no, we absolutely do, mate. And I was just looking at the stats actually as well for the game, um, and I didn't quite realise just how dominant we we were. It felt it, but um, so we had sixteen shots to their thirteen. We had eight on target to their five. We had fifty-eight percent of the possession. We had five hundred and twenty-one passes to their three hundred and eighty. We had a 81% pass accuracy to their 73. Funny enough, we had more yellows than them, which is quite a meet. <laughs> incredible. Um, and obviously we had more corners. We, we literally were all over them. And I don't know what it is about our, our away form. We seem to have no fear at all. Um, so, yeah, again, we just, clearly more than a point. We, yeah, we're set up to play well away from home, though, aren't we? We've, got, we've yes. got pace to hit teams on the break, whether that is Brown, Campbell, Wright Phillips, Philogene Bidace. They're all, you know, good, attack, quick attacking players who, you know, I think that where we seem to struggle is the teams who are, say, say probably 8th eight, eight to 16th in the league at home because them teams are good enough when they sit in to really, like, give us a problem of breaking them down. That's where we seem to be struggling. I mean, whether Nick Powell coming in is probably going to help that a bit. But it's like the teams down the bottom end we've seen, other than, mind you, Derby wouldn't be down there, would they, if it wasn't a point of deduction. But like teams down the bottom end we seem to do well, even if they sit in. The teams at the top end will come at us when we're at home. So, you know, we enjoy that because it gives us um, gives us space to work in and that. It's them teams who are good teams, but are happy with a point from, against us. That's when we really struggle, I think. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think we're going to have a, a few similar games to this um, kind of going forward now. So, um, OK, well, let's have a quick look at the Man of the Match polls um, because you were very rightly put out uh, Wilmot, Powell, Brown or Other. Um, so in fourth place was Other with 7%. Um, and just as a, a reminder, if anyone does vote Other, please just make a comment on exactly who your, uh, your preferred Man of the Match choice is. That would help. Uh, yeah, third place you. was... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I think other this week, I think somebody mentioned, is it Philogene Bidace got a mention? Um, uh, yeah, Philogene Bidace got a mention, and Harwood, Harwood Bellis as well, so I was impressed with his defensive work. Great. Okay, good. So we've got a couple of extras there then. Uh, so third place was Wilmot with 13%, uh, and that leaves obviously Brown and Powell. 
So second place was Brown with 15%. And you won't be surprised to see Nick Powell with 65%. And I must admit, it's really good to see his name pop up again um, <laughs> from there. So, yeah, it's it's good. And I know that, Dan, um, we're going to be pointing out the, the latest kind of man of the match polls for, for the season, aren't we, in terms of the running order? I know there's been a few changes, obviously people leaving. So we need to ch- have a look at the graphic on that one. But, uh, yeah, we'll put that out on Twitter soon, won't we? Yeah, um, it's interesting. Well, that was actually Nick Powell's first man of the match for us this season, even though was he was, really? um, yeah, even though he was top scorer until Jacob Brown scored in that, in the, ironically, in that match. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he, uh, he must have done it on the quiet, or well, either that, or people just expect it. Maybe expected to have him. Maybe he's maybe he's look. I reckon that's what it is. He's making other players look good. Yeah. Yeah, quite quite possibly, mate. But I'm sure now he's getting back fit. That will not be the last time that Nick Paul gets me out of the match. So uh, yeah, let's see how he gets on. But um, that pretty much covers the uh, the Huddersfield game. So uh, let's have a quick look at the Stoke City news this week. Okay, so last week we discussed obviously a lot of kind of incoming players. We went into obviously what we kind of want to see what we expect to kind of go out um i think there was a couple of surprise deals that i think we would kind of probably cover off a little bit so um so just kind of starting i suppose really obviously the swap deal for ince and liam moore um we don't really see many swap deals anymore they're very very rare uh, i think wasn't um odd and wingy the last one that instantly comes to mind i don't know if there's anyone else we've had since uh, if you can think of anyone we do seem sure to do well at them, though, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do too bad. And uh, obviously, um, we had the, the Mike Shearer and Keith Scott on that swap deal. That went down well. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let's hope this one's um, just as good. And I think it was a bit of a, a left field uh, transfer, which is quite funny considering the Ince plays on the right. But never mind. Sorry, that's an <laughs> awful joke. Um, anyway, but I generally think for it was quite interesting, you know, the actual. Um, opinions of people with this it's funny because a month ago if you would have said get rid of Vince every single person would have been absolutely over the moon and it's kind of gone from everyone being over the moon to oh okay um it's a shame to see him go you know he's been starting to pick up recently and <laughs> and all that and it's, it was quite amusing to see I think the, the vast majority wanted him to go but still it's just interesting to see how that um kind of changes and obviously in terms of kind of Liam Moore I mean I don't know about you guys, but before that, I can't say I'd really noticed him very much. I, I remember him from a few seasons ago. I don't think he's ever been anyone that's really tore up the league or did anything particularly special. Um, but he's, I think one of my comments at the time was, great, we're getting rid of James Chester and replacing him with another James Chester um, from bits that we'd seen. But um, Andy, what's your thoughts on uh, on this deal, mate? Are you kind of pro deal or do you think we've kind of a bit of a dud well i've said it's more of a pro deal um it's one of them obviously people were like a month ago would have been happy with thomas going out he's picked up form and obviously he's now gone to reading but liam moore coming in he's a defensive player he's a center back who can play on the right as well um does it mean that we will finally see james chester never in a stoke shirt we never know but he's always been a figure in that Reading team, and I feel like he's 
definitely going to take James Chester's place. And you never know, maybe we're going for more of an experienced back line with Jaggy Elker and Moore at the moment. And Tommy Smith really hasn't played too much at right back. He's had Wilmot take his place. So will Moore maybe, will Liam Moore maybe take Tommy Smith's place at right back for the moment? A little bit of a tongue twist to that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It could, it could very well do, mate. I mean, I don't think anyone would have any qualms about that. I think we've all discussed it. We're not going to go into it again, but I think we've all discussed the chest and knees, knees replacing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got some interesting audio, which we'll play shortly. But um, in terms of the kind of deal then, Dan, I mean, what, what fence are you on, mate? I, mean, I think we all probably need to be aware that we need to give the guy a chance before ruling him out. Um, but are you kind of think it's a positive deal? Yeah, he's been a very solid championship defender on the whole. I mean, I know Reading fans have said the last couple of years he's been error, you know, error after error, that kind of review. But I think, um, yeah, there's, there's a good defender still in there. And but I think we've seen something today, haven't we? I mean, his character was brought into question as well, um, his asset lines and stuff. But then you see, you know, the st- a story that I saw earlier on about um, his interaction with a fan and how he was helping them, but you know, kept it between the two of them. And that and then, you know, he's obviously not the bad egg that some people are making him out to be either, uh, which is a good thing because you know we don't want the dressing room spirit to be, uh, you know, go back to what it was, you know, four, three, four, five years ago, do we? Uh, but yeah, no. I, th- I think he's he's an experienced player at this level, very experienced and. On the whole, I uh, from what I've from what I've seen of him, whatever he's always been a good player, so I am quite happy for him to come in. Yeah, it'd be, like say, it'd be an interesting deal um, to have, mate. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that you know he's just a pretty solid defender. And I think we'll we'll have a listen now to to Alex from the Alm Park Royals podcast, mate, because he's given us some really really good uh, detailed kind of overview of more really in terms of you know strengths etc. Uh, so let's have a, a quick listen to see what he had to say about that anyway. Yeah, I'm Alex from Alm Park Royals. Yeah, Liam Moore has been with Reading for five years. First couple of years, or first, definitely his first season with Yapstam was uh, really, really good. Made the playoff final with him, and he was appointed captain or on the field captain at the kind of the middle of the second season at the club. He's he's not a bad player. He he's a great he's great at blocking. He will throw himself at blocks and at shots to really like try and stop things. He's reasonable in the air. Negatives. He's not great in terms of organising a defence. Um, he's probably been the most senior kind of defender we've had over the last maybe eighteen months, I'd say, and maybe maybe longer to be honest. And he struggles if he's alongside a youngster. Um, he's he's not not great in terms of like organising and, and moving players around him and, and making sure that they're in the right kind of position. Um, He's not fantastic with the ball at his feet. He's okay, but I wouldn't say he's particularly comfortable with the ball at his feet. And he's, although he tries, he probably tries too much in terms of tries to do too much with the ball sometimes. So you might, uh, depending on how how Michael O'Neill sets you up, it, it you might see him kind of like try and ping long passes forwards and stuff like that potentially. And he's he's not great at it. I would say. Um, Wages are the main reason he got stripped of the captaincy at Reading. In all honesty, um, was on thirty, between, somewhere between thirty-five and forty thousand pounds a week. Got given a new contract in twenty 
I think it was 2017, um, after the playoff final, Brighton came in with a bid of like £10 million for him. He It got rejected and he signed a new contract. This season, the relationship between him and the club has fallen to bits as well because of the fact that he's on this wage and the, the club can't justify it essentially anymore. Um, so they stripped him of captaincy and uh, from everything that has kind of come out, it sounds like the club have basically told the manager that they can't play Liam Moore and he's been thrown under the bus a bit, I, I guess, by the club in terms of the way they stripped the captaincy from him and things like that. So, um, yeah, he's a nice nice guy, though, in terms of, you know, he, he does a lot or he was doing a lot, maybe, you know, up until probably six months into COVID. He was doing a lot in terms of, like, you know, community stuff and ringing people, you know, keeping keeping tabs of fans and um there is I guess there is two sides to every story but yeah he's a I I think he's probably a mid to low end starting center back in in the championship still um he'd probably still do a job for reading were, were it not for all of the history involved yeah overall for 6 months probably not the worst signing you'll at least get to see whether he's at this level still or not I'd be surprised if he isn't but um be one to one to watch out for um so yeah that's pretty much it for Liam Moore um fingers crossed it works out for both of us Tom Ince coming the other way um wages seem to have just basically been swapped around so hopefully we both kind of get more utilization out of out of our respective new players than we did have so Lovely. Thanks, Alex. Much appreciate it, mate. Uh, like I say, most Stoke fans don't really know too much about him, so I think it's good to to listen to someone who obviously clearly has, um, has of course, seen him. So just to kind of summarise, I guess, what Alex has just said then, guys. So it sounds like he's a bit just it's just a kind of average defender is the way I've interpreted that. I mean, you know, it's good that he's happy to put his body on the line, um, you know, good aerial presence, which is never a bad thing. Um, but a couple of things that kind of not alarming, but makes me just stand up and pay attention is, you know, he's just saying, you know, don't expect to see him bossing around that defence and helping to support, you know, the the younger players. And, you know, thank God we've got Jaggy Elka for that, uh, because I think he will do what he needs to do on that other side. Um, now, he said not great with the ball at his feet, which is interesting, considering we need a left sided defender who's good with the ball at his feet. So. I hope that's not correct, but a little bit concerning that he's just a, a steady Eddie who's not going to actually contribute too much if you go purely by that view. So what do you think, Andy? Well, if he's not too good on the ball and not the best of his passing, sounds a bit like a James Chester. But if he wants to put his body on the line, sounds like a Danny Bart. It's like a combination of them both. It's like... We've sold Danny Bart, obviously. James Chester's not going to get in the side. And Michael O'Neill's gone, you know what? He's got both qualities of them. He's two players that one, I want him. Hmm. Okay, T- time will tell. But ho- hopefully it's a bit more promising than elements of that sound. I mean, it wasn't a complete rip into him. But uh, yeah, there's a few key things that we're looking for that he doesn't seem to really have. So yeah, let's um, let's see uh, how this how this goes there. Um, but in terms of uh, kind of the, the next kind of story, of course, um, Josh Major. Um, so obviously Josh is very much, again, a player that, you know, kind of came out of the blue a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think most... Stoke fans obviously know him from uh, the uh, was it Sunderland till I die. Sunderland till uh, I die on Netflix. 
Yeah, it's season two, episode two. Funny enough, before this actually happened, I'd already started rewatching it for like the third time. Yeah, I think I started it's watching really it. I have. Yeah, it's I bet brilliant. Netflix are loving it. <laughs> yeah, like obviously with transfer windows and that, they started the first episode with their transfer window, and it's just a brilliant rewatch. I think. Yeah, yeah, it is, mate. It's really good. But if anyone wants to go back, um, if you go to episode two, it's actually uh, talks about his contract negotiations and um, and all that side of things in there as well. So it's quite quite fascinating. Um, I must admit, his agent seems a bit of an idiot. Um, if you mm-hmm. go by what's been said on there about it was clearly just trying to get him a move. I mean, Christ, in fairness to his agent, that's probably every other agent in the actual football league. Um, but yeah, it, it, for me, the manager, you know, he came across as quite a, obviously a young lad. I think he was 19 um, at that point. Um, and I remember him just scoring for fun. Um, everyone was talking about him being the next big thing. I know that, you know, again, they have some clips they show in that documentary where they're talking to different pundits saying, you know, he's got a huge feature. I think uh, Kevin Beatty, I think maybe one of them, uh, I think it was Kevin Kevin or James Beatty, one of them, um, basically uh, was talking about him and, you know, what to expect. And obviously he kind of went from, from, Sunderland, from Sunderland from there. And I think he's done okay. But again, maybe not quite hit the same heights. But um, Dan, what what's your thoughts on Majime? I mean, what what or shall we say, what are you expecting from him kind of going forward, other than the obvious goals? Yeah, I think that's what it says. He's a, he's a good big goal threat, isn't he? I mean, is his career stats one in two? Is it thirty one in sixty one games? Which for a player like say for an actual career, you know, a young lad as well, is quite impressive. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on Emilio Dawes because I know did he have a is he have a back injury that's put him out of the first half of the season. He's only just come back to fitness, Anthony. So we don't want to be yes, you know, you know, he's piling the pressure on him too much. Uh, but I think it's probably one of them gamble signings by uh, Michael O'Neill where you know if if we are going to get the playoffs, we're going to need something uh, just you know maybe just something special. Who's going to come in and play? Who's going to knock us in? You know, ten, twelve goals, and he, if he comes in and clicks, then he can do that. Johnny, you know, he's capable of scoring ten, twelve goals during now and the end of the season. If he comes in and finds, you know, hits the ground running, gets a bit of form. Uh, obviously, if he doesn't, then it's well, it was an experiment that we've tried to do. I think we are probably looking to sign him in the summer, aren't we? So. It's, he's probably got six months to sort of you know sort himself out for next year then, so it's a bit of a win-win situation either way, because uh, I think if we're going to get him for three three and a half million pound, it's good as well because we've seen with Sam Surridge, Sam Surridge came in for two million quid, didn't do anything really after the first you know three or four weeks of being here, yet we've managed to sell him on for you know the, the, the amount of money we paid and probably by the sounds of it, it's a couple hundred thousand pound profit. Because we've signed a young player, um, and I think that's the thing with Madger as well. If we sign him, if he doesn't work out in eighteen months' time, he's still only going to be twenty-four, twenty-five. So we'll probably get back most of that three million, even if he's a massive flop. And then that—that's yeah. a good—that—that's the way we've got to go running this club. I think from now on. It is a bit like the Surridge transfer. Obviously, Surridge left and we, we basically got our money back. I know everyone's like, oh, we cost five million. No, he didn't. He cost, I think it was about two point something million. I think it was when we brought him. The rest was incentives to if he did X, Y and Z. So I think, you know, we, we did well to get Sam. But you're right, mate. The difference between a deal like that and, say, a, 
if we would have signed Fletcher now at his age for that money, we would never have got that money back. So, uh, yeah, we've we've kind of changed mantra. Um, so do you think he's potentially just a, a Fletcher replacement? Obviously, a slightly different Fletcher replacement, but still a Fletcher replacement nonetheless. Well, O'Neill said, Auntie, this week, he sees a lot of Stephen Fletcher in him. They go, um, yeah. So it looks like them two will be probably vying for the one spot, maybe leading the line. Um, maybe it'll be them two for one's role, and maybe Jacob Brown will come in if there's a, a high press needed. Uh, but yeah, it definitely looks like it'll be him or Fletcher. Yeah, should be interesting, mate. But um, yeah, okay, good. Well, um, hopefully everything goes um, okay with obviously the match one. Now, um, we've also managed to get some audio. We're really treating you again this week. So uh, we reached out to the uh, the Roka Report, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, are the people that actually were in the documentary uh, on Netflix. Um, so uh, yeah, they've, they've been some absolutely brilliant. They've given us some really good, interesting audio. Uh, so let's have a, a quick listen to see what they had to say. The obvious place to start with Josh Madger is that the guy was just an outstanding footballer at League One level. He was really, really excellent for us. At 19, you could make a case that this guy was the best player in League One. With him being so young, we were confident that we had maybe the best player, definitely a championship level player in the making. The thing that really stood out about him was... He just he just had a natural knack for scoring goals. Whenever he got the ball in the final third, you felt as if he was going to score. His record was excellent. He had an almost Aguero-like, Daniel Sturridge-like skill for taking the ball early, for catching goalkeepers out. Now, I'm not sure how well that will translate to championship level where the keepers are a bit better and a bit sharper. But in League One, he was just eating keepers for dinner. His finishing was excellent. It was really pinpoint. When it wasn't pinpoint, it was so low and hard. The keepers weren't getting down to it anyway. And that's really what you're getting is a high, high quality finisher with outstanding technique. He's got really good feet. He's got quite good skill. The big area that stopped him from being a success in the Premier League already and it might have been something you noticed if you saw him play at Fulham is his physicality he's not particularly strong he's not someone who likes to get involved with duels he's not amazing at holding up the ball despite the fact he's got really good technique and he's not blisteringly quick either so he is a bit of a service dependent forward and he's not really a striker that scores tap-ins in the way that say a grab does he doesn't really have that knack for being in the right place at the right time it is all to do with his finishing and his clean ball striking so how many scores may well come down to how many chances you create because he's not a guy who's going to sniff out those poachers goals or at least that wasn't what he was good at when he was at Sunderland I think his loan spell at Fulham was quite telling because when he got on the ball when he had the ball he looked like a Premier League player but then there were a lot of games that passed him by as well and that would sort of be my fear with him being in the championship is this is a very, very good footballer, but he's not necessarily a great athlete and he's not someone who's going to give you that Shane Long-like work rate that can often turn sort of average players into good ones. So the real challenge is going to be, can you create enough chances? Do Does he get the service really? But I think based on what I saw from him at Sunderland, he should be 
at least a championship level striker. The only other thing I'd mention is he did outperform his XG by quite a bit when he was at us. So there is a chance that he was running hot. Maybe he was getting a bit lucky with some bad goalkeeping, but I definitely think he's a quality talent who should at least be an average starter at League One level. Fingers crossed it all works out for you guys. Cheers. Lovely. Yes, thank you very much for the audio, guys. Much appreciated. Again, it's good to... Another player that a lot of people, as I said earlier, would only have really seen on the Netflix documentary. So, uh, obviously, it's been a few years since that now. So, yeah, but just again, to kind of summarise. So, they think he was very much the best uh, striker in League One, which is great. Um, a couple of, again, things that kind of worry me for thinking about a Fletcher uh, replacement is obviously someone who relies on service as opposed to kind of making things happen. Um, hopefully, now we've got some players back that we're going to be in a situation where they kind of serve it up on a plate for him. Uh, I think that if that's the way he plays, then um, we need to do that. Otherwise, it just becomes a bit of a dud signing. So fingers crossed we can we can really work with him and get him firing. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting uh, on Maja. And then I uh, just want to move on to um, some extra bits as well. So, uh, Dan, we know that you love your uh, under-23s. And obviously, I know we've got a few reports to kind of uh, catch up on mate so uh, yeah what interesting info have you got for us this week mate yeah so the under 23s played Eccleshaw in the staff senior cup this week uh, they won 3-0 goals by Griffiths uh, Will Goodwin and Douglas James Taylor um, so yeah so he came off the bench scored the third one so they threw in the cup there um, through to the semi-final stage now uh, so if anyone wants to check them this week over the next seven days they'll be playing Way at Reading in the league on Monday, kicks off 7 pm. And on Thursday, they're at home to Fulham in the League Cup, which kicks off at 1 pm. So that's the under 23s. Uh, the under 18s, they're at home to Middlesbrough this Saturday. They didn't, they didn't have a game last weekend. Uh, so that kicks off at 1 pm. And the ladies, they beat Sheffield 2 1 last weekend as well. So that's the uh, there. But just to remind everybody, obviously, with the transfer window slamming shut and to um, comings and goings and all that. These are the players now that we've got out on loan. So we've already mentioned Tom Ince, uh, he's at Reading. Now we've got obviously Benny Kofobi is at Millwall and Peter Atiro is on loan to Watford. Now those two will be coming back to the club. They've got another year on the contracts. Unless they make their moves permanent, they'll be returning to us in the summer. Uh, Ethan Varian, he's, he's on loan to Wraith Rovers for the rest of the season. Alfie Doherty, He's joined Cardiff on loan for the rest of the season, uh, but there's no real m- m- permanent transfer in the line there, so looks like we're just sending him out on there to get some game time ready for the next campaign, which is good. Uh, and then we've got a couple of youth loans. Douglas James Taylor, who I just mentioned, against Eccleshaw. Uh, he's actually on loan to Wealdston at the minute. He must just return to Stoke for that game last night. Uh, he's played a few games. He's played three or four games in the last uh, couple of weeks. But he did, he did get sent off in one of them um, just a few minutes after coming off the bench. I think it was literally about three minutes. <laughs> uh, so that, that doesn't go well. Jeez. Uh, but he saved his barn and was back in the Wheelston team, team the week after. Uh, that's good. And then obviously this week we've also sent David Okagbu, uh, one of the young under-18 lads. He's gone on loan to Chester, uh, which is the same place as Connor Taylor did. So it didn't do him any harm to go play at Chester before he got his loan at Bristol Rovers. Mm. And talking to Connor Taylor, obviously he is on loan to Bristol Rovers. And uh, this is how he's getting on. What can I say about Connor Taylor? 
He's one of the first names on the team sheet every single week. Uh, he's forced his way into that starting eleven, uh, coming in on loan, obviously, and has just made that first centre-back berth his his own. He can play in a three, does equally well in a four. He doesn't look out of out of that place in League Two at all. He looks extremely good uh, for someone so tall. He's obviously great in the air, rarely loses a header, but he can play. Uh, reads the game really well, organises the defence really well, um, great leader. You can always hear him bellowing. It's absolutely fantastic to watch him. Um, and long may it continue. Hopefully we can get him next year again. If there's a chance of that, it'd be fantastic. But if not, wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, thanks a lot to the people at the Gascast pod there. Um, it's all encouraging, Connor Taylor. Sounds like he's a uh, you know, first name on the team, she says, and integral part. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Harry Suter added up with two seasons, didn't he, under Joey Barton? So maybe they might be lucky enough to have Connor playing for them next season as well. We'll have to see how that one goes. But it's very promising to have people like Connor Taylor, Will Forrester, uh, coming through, let's say, two exciting centrals there. So, yeah, yeah, that, that sort of rounds up where we are there. Now, one thing, I one last thing I want to do with you guys, and... um, this is interesting. We'll see where we what we do with this and where we are at the end of the season and how close you are. So grab it, get your maths ready now. I'm going to give you every fixture we've got between now and the end of the season. So we know what squad we've got now, don't we? I'm going to tell you the games we've got left and add up how many points you think we'll get. And we'll all do it and then we'll see who's the closest to come the end of the season. Now let's put the do... Stick a pin in this and come back to it at the end of May. Bloody yeah. hell, mate. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. Let me get my notepad out. <laughs> so, and, uh, while, this, this, while, this goes to all the listeners as well. And while you're doing that, Andy, um, just a quick one. Actually, one player that um, I wanted to ask you about in case I've been asleep. Uh, Tom Edwards. It was weird. He was going to the MLS and mm-hmm. now is, he's not even on the Stoke side as being a player. I'm... I, I don't know if that's intentional, if that's a mistake, or if I've missed the transfer, but I swear when I went no, on earlier on, no, no, he was no. not on the Stoke I've site. not seen anything on Stoke City's Twitter on any transfer sites, really, but all I've heard is that apparently New York Rebels want him back on another year loan, but I've not heard anything about them making anything permanent with any club whatsoever. So it looks like he's still on okay. the books as of now. They just aren't, mind you. It doesn't say much about when, you know, he's not on the Stoke website. I mean, Christ, Fielding and Co. haven't even got pictures um, on the site yet, and he's been he's here. He's got right so... Phillips in image now. Yeah, yeah. Shows how much <laughs> they care about the likes of Fielding, though, doesn't it? If they're not even getting. He's not going to kick a ball, though, is he, really? <laughs> so I don't think no. anyone really cares about a photo for him. But anyway, have you got your calculator, Andy? I do have my calculator out. Go on then, Dan. Over to you, mate. Right, so yeah, so I'm gonna like say I'm gonna give you all the fixtures we've got between now and the end of the season, and you tell me how many points we're gonna end up with. So we started on 39 points, that's how many we've got now. Remaining fixtures in the in the league. Swansea at home, Nottingham Forest away, Birmingham at home, Luton at home. Bournemouth away. Oh, I'm gonna to need to think about this Luton game a little bit. Hold on. And then after that was Bournemouth away, right? Yeah, Bournemouth away. Okay. 
Blackpool at home. Peterborough away. Cardiff away. Millwall at home. Sheffield United at home. <sighs> Reading away. West Brom away. Bristol City at home. Blackburn away. QPR at home. Middlesbrough away. Coventry away. Now, now we've also got Barnsley away. And what else is after that? Is that everything? That is everything. All right, um, let me just add this up quick. Uh, I'm assuming you've done this, Dan, or is this just for us? Yeah. Okay, do you want, do you want me to tell you what my, how many points I've got is on then? Go on, fire away. Bang on, 70 points. Ooh. I, went, I got 68. <laughs> so you, do you think that'll be enough for the playoffs? No. <laughs> Simple as, I don't think it will. Mm, probably not. I think we'll end up finishing eighth or so then by that reckoning. And I'd, I'd have to get the table up for previous seasons, to be honest. And I thought I was being quite generous. So um, <laughs> that, that's interesting. I've got us on 71. Here's oh, a fact for you. Average points for sixth place is 73.8. Oh, wow. So if we can turn a few wins or turn a few draws into wins and a few losses into draws, it's a potential. But the lowest points to ever reach playoffs of Leicester in 2012-2013 was 68. And the lowest to get promoted was 70 with Blackpool in 2009-10. Did, didn't we get promoted in second place with about 78 points? <laughs> so so there's a there's a slim chance. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, make a note of that then, Dan. We'll have to come back to this, mate, just see who's closest. Either yeah. way, all of us aren't far away, let's be honest. And I think, uh, like I say, any, any listeners in that that want to send theirs in, uh, you know, do the same thing that we've just gone through the fixtures there, send in, and then uh, anyone who gets it bang on, can have can have a, uh, Pat on a the clap back. Of appreciation <laughs> clap at the end of the season. <laughs> and I tell you what, Dan, we'll put it we'll put a Twitter uh, poll out as well. We love a good yeah. poll, don't we? Yeah, we'll uh, have so we'll, our, we'll our scores out. on there as well. Okay, brilliant. Well, um, shall we look ahead to to Wigan this weekend? Why not? Lovely. Let's go for it. <laughs> Yeah, before we get into the Wigan game, people, I, I just need to say I've missed the Barnsley game off because it wasn't on my list. I had to pull that the fact that that was needing to be played from memory. And uh, when I've gone through and added my totals up, I've not included it. And that, no offence, Barnsley, we would hope was three points. So uh, I need my total to be 74, please, guys. Can we, <laughs> before we go any further? You're sneaking into the playoffs then, mate, by the looks of it. Yeah. That's it. Mm. I told the question you I is with who? <laughs> I was the cheery one. <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on. Wigan, FA Cup, fourth round. James McLean, Derby. Wigan turn up in town, turn up in the Potteries, 20 games unbeaten, flying high at the top of League One. Only had two away defeats all season, Sunderland in August, and the last one was Crew, amazingly, in October. The relegation threatened crew managed to beat them. Uh, 
the head-to-head -head record, 12 wins to Stoke, 9 to, to Wigan with 13 draws. Uh, the head-to-head -head at Stoke is eight wins for Stoke, three for Wigan with six draws. Uh, one previous FA Cup meeting with an absolute belter of a goal from Chris Iwalumu. As Stoke won out, 3-0 winners, Chris Greenacre getting the other two. And I'm, I'd say belter, it was an absolute rocket of a volley from Iwalumu from outside the box. Do you remember it, Mike? Um. I'm trying to think back, mate. Chris scored some good goals in fairness to him. Um, I remember Soccer AM had it on there, sort of like they sort of measured the speed of it, and it was like something ridiculous, like nearly 80 miles an hour. It was an absolute yeah. rocket. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, but I mean, the last home game against Wigan is one that I think we'll all remember November 2019, Michael O'Neill's first home game in charge. Danny Bart equalised after Wigan led at half-time. And then Mam Juf in the 93rd minute scrambled mm -hmm. the winner and the place went erupted, didn't it? The place went wild. Oh, yeah, good old Mam. He was a great player. I love Mam. He's now a goalkeeper. He always give... <laughs> what? <laughs> give over. <laughs> oh, dear me. Yes, OK, that's, that's some, some interesting... Um, Stats then, Dan. That's why we call oh, you I Mr. Stato, mate. Oh, oh wow. if you don't finish, go on, mate. Go on. He's definitely trying to outshine me this week. Gavin, just... Gavin Ward was the ref that day. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, and then if you're thinking, well, you know, he's man, you scored that injury time winner. He's not that bad. He then proceeded to play nine minutes of injury time. So he obviously did his best for Wigan to get an equaliser. Um, but from the team that started that day, only Nick Powell and Joe Allen are still available for Stoke, who could be involved on Saturday. Um, one one thing I have noticed, um, and this sort of <laughs> stuck out, is Wigan are Wigan have only had 155 turnovers within 40 yards of the opposition's goal this season. So that's like so that's looking at like the high press. So, um, I'd say only 155 times have they won the ball back within 40 yards of their opponent's goal. Actually puts them 15th in League One. Um, from them 155, they've had 29 shots and scored two goals. Stoke, on the other hand, have, had a, have done that 195 times they've turned the ball over, which is actually the ninth in the Championship standings. And they've scored five goals from those turnovers. So, we seem to press a lot higher than Wigan do, according to those stats. Um, <laughs> this isn't really for our ball, but um, both teams seem to like to pass the ball around. Both are in the top eight for 10 plus pass sequences Stoke 190, Wigan 184. And Wickham, I've just got to mention this Wickham, fifth in League One, seven times all season they've managed 10 plus pass sequences. <laughs> that just shot, That's well, I was looking at Wiggins, that just shot out to me. I think that that just shows. Um, they are maybe direct, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say though, they've they been going off the boil. Sorry, sorry, mate. I, they've been going off the boil the last few weeks. They, I thought they were romping home at one point uh, mm. for this division, but they, yeah, the the last few games, I think they lost at home to. Oh God, I can't remember now. Um, either way, they've been going off the boil. So it'd be interesting to see what type of team turn up. But they've got a really good history in the cup, haven't they, Wigan? In recent times, anyway. Uh, well, the obvious uh, win that they had a few years ago. So, should be interesting. Um, 
I mean, do you want teams as well, Dan? While, while we're while we're thinking about it, or yeah, I mean, I know Andy's got some great stats as well, haven't you, Andy? If you want yeah, to I have. nobody cares about Andy. My insights before the match. Stoke and Wigan have only previously met once in the FA Cup, which is when we won 3-0 in round three back in 2002-2003, thanks to goals from Chris Greenacre, which scored two, and Chris Umalumo getting his goal. Uh, After a 10-game winless run against Wigan, which includes seven draws and three losses, Stoke have won two of their last three clashes with Wigan in all competitions, losing one. Um, we've also lost the last three of um, our effort. Last three of our, oh, my tongue twisters tonight. Stoke have lost three of the last four FA Cup matches at home, which includes one win, which is more than they'd suffered in their previous fifteen at the Betfred Six Five Stadium in this competition, which is ten wins, three draws, two losses. Uh, Wigan have progressed from the from this stage of the FA Cup seven of their last eleven times from sides with a sides from a higher division, with six of those sides versus Premier League opposition, and the final one is five of Stephen Fletcher's eight goals against Wigan in all competitions have come in home matches for four different teams, which is one for Burnley, one for Wolves, one for Sunderland, two for Sheffield Wednesday. It's also his highly most netted team against in his career. Ooh. Get him on Saturday then. He's not a done one for Stoke yet, though. That is that's the thing. Well, I think have you seen the prize money that's on offer as well? Because mm-hmm. we're going to go on to teams and that now, aren't we? Um, and obviously, it's like you know, how important do we take this? We've got a game against Swansea on on Tuesday. You know, the game's going to be coming thick and fast from now on in. Yeah, if, if we do play to put a strong side out, we win. That's another game we've got to play. Another game we've got to rearrange. But it's, it's the winner is going to end up with four hundred thousand pound prize money, and then you know, I mean, there's only eight ties in the next round. Five of them are going to be on TV. If you're one of them five, that's another two hundred and forty-seven thousand pounds as well for being on TV. With with FFP and you know, we've seen that we as well like the sliding. When we the, the the FFP pod that we did, the sliding scale of you know it's an extra point for every one and a half million or around that that you're over budget. You think as well if we get through that's four hundred grand prize money, probably another two hundred and fifty grand TV money. Then you've got fifty percent of the gate receipts as well. God. You know if we draw, if we end up away at Manchester United, that that could be a million pound on its own, couldn't it? You know in easily. Gate- so, mate, I, I fancy think... against Man United right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, you know, a win. If the if the if the draw lands correctly for you, you know, you could be looking easy at you know one and a half million quid, you know, as a reward for for, for winning this match. So, I, I don't think in the predicament we're in that that could be a point to us, you know, next season, couldn't it? Or whenever these, you know, the FFP uh, get all get sorted out. If we are over the limit, I mean, they might drag us under the limit. You never know. Yeah, and you can guarantee, mate, if you've if you've spotted that, the club are fully aware of it, um, and I'm sure they're making O'Neill aware of it as well. And obviously, O'Neill is a management. The players will obviously want to win it just for the sake of that they want to win a football match. But absolutely, mate, that's a good call out. And you know what? I'd not even thought about it. Um, so yeah, uh, a really I've good got a fact out. about the Wigan game quickly that's come out. Will Keane, who is Four, he's got scored 14 goals and got four assists in League One. It has going to have no part in 
the game due to a hamstring injury. Oh. So uh, Wigan have been hit with a massive setback, is what they've titled the article as. X-Man United. Mm. X-Man United. I was down Vale the other day. I saw um, James, not is it? James, pardon, pardon, James Wilson. Back. You were what? My mate invited me. I didn't celebrate <laughs> when they scored. But James Wilson, ex-Man United player, played with Nick Powell as well. From Biddulph. You know, all okay. these ex-Man United players, they've all, you know, they don't, not as many academy players really make it up to the levels, do they? No, but the thing is, when you start that high, you fall yeah. down the leagues and he takes, like, you, you get three or four contracts falling down the leagues. Yeah. Like, he's not good enough for Man United. Is he good enough for uh, Everton? Is he good enough for Burnley? Is he yeah. good enough for Barnsley? Is he good enough? And by, you know, by the time you, you, by the time they work out that you're no good for League Two, you're about 27. I do apologise <laughs> to every Stoke listener who's just heard that I was down Vale. I got invited <laughs> with a free ticket and I was like, you know what? It was against Scunthorpe, and I was like, one of my teachers used to be from Scunthorpe. Maybe they'll Mate, win. It's not that difficult to find something else to do. So, <laughs> I mean, just to go, oh, I got a free ticket. Mate, I've had free tickets to Stoke and not gone. Never mind free tickets to Bloody Vale. I, I think that, oh, he, he's really working his, his way out here, mate. To, um, Revelations on. Out of this I've Revelations not quite done a James McLean Instagram post yet, have I? <laughs> Revelations on both sides here. We've got Andy's <laughs> off down the veil. We can't even get we can't even get Mike down Stoke if we give him a free ticket. <laughs> Sam's got to start doing this on his own. Yeah. Just be yeah, reading good, out good stats. <laughs> and that, um, an hour of stat time with Dan. <laughs> anyway, we're going off on a tangent. Um <laughs> and so in terms of I just want to ask obviously with Graham McGarry obviously always gives us audio and I know he's given it as this week but did, did Graham get the, get it right last week he did didn't yeah he? he said a 1-1 draw hard fought he did he did I, oh look at him off to add that to his intro <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of them mate that intro is going to be about three years long if he carries on he's, he's, he's doing some pretty decent form recently um so shall we have a quick listen, see what he had to say about this week, see if we can get two in a row. Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. So here we go again with another of those Potters predictions. This time a little bit different from the regular ones at the weekend or in midweek because it is a switch from Championship football to FA Cup fourth round day. And Stoke City, of course, will be taking full advantage, they will hope, of being a home to a side in a league lower than what they are. Wigan Athletic are the visitors to the Bet365, but have got good cup history, of course. They were winners not too many years ago. But in the league itself, they've just had a couple of dips of late, not finding everything their own way. Well, Stoke, of course, are coming off the back of an excellent result against Huddersfield Town last weekend. And now, now it's down to the Potters 
to take on this FA Cup tie and progress into the fifth round. I think they'll do it, but it won't be many goals for the crowd going to the bet 365 at the weekend. Final prediction, Stoke City 1, Wigan 0. Yeah, so uh, nice sneaking through to the fifth round there, uh, Graham. I'll take that one nil. Thank you very much. So obviously we've also been in touch with the Wigan podcast because you know we're spoiling you with listening to other people's voices. I'm going to listen to ours this week. So this is start pro- charging here, Dan. <laughs> this is progress with unity, uh, Wigan Athletic podcast, and this is their thoughts on their season so far and the game on Saturday. Hi, this is Barry Worthington from the Progress with Unity Wigan Athletic podcast. I've been invited to speak to you today about the uh, FA Cup tie at the Britannia Stadium. I must say I'm really excited and looking forward to it. The magic of the cup certainly hasn't died a death in Wigan. Our season so far has exceeded all expectations. To be currently sat second in the table three points off the top spot with three games in hand on the uh, entire top six is a wonderful feeling after what we went through during administration, subsequently getting relegated from the championship. Uh, we thought the club was going to die. Uh, we've kicked on and we seem to be stronger than ever. We've got great new owners and there's a real positivity around the place. So much so that we're undefeated in our last 20 games. Summer recruitment was fantastic. We picked up a couple of players that you're quite familiar with, Jordan Cousins, who unfortunately has been out injured for the past three months, and James McLean, who has been a revelation in League One, and we all know what a good player he is anyway. So what's our style? Well, we like to play a 4-2-3-1 formation. That's what our manager, Liam Richardson, has had us playing for most of the season anyway. It suits us. It's a high-tempo, high-press way to play football, and it's part of a winning formula that's been really exciting. Players to watch, it's going to be difficult because I think we're going to make quite a few changes. As I said, we've got three games in hand on all the teams around us. That means we've got a really big fixture backlog. After Saturday's game, we're going to be four games in hand. In February alone, we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday. And it's going to take a lot of a toll on the players, so squad rotation is going to come into it. We've made some signings in the window, and we've brought in McGuinness from Hull City and Glenn Rea from Luton Town, Graham Shinney from Derby County, but... He is cup tied, so he won't be playing in this this game. The team I'm going for, which I think is a likely lineup, will be we'll see a change in goals with Jamie Jones, our experienced number two keeper, coming in. Club captain Tendai Dariqua at right back, Jason Kerr and Kel Watts as the centre backs, with experienced left back, former Premier League player Joe Bennett uh, coming in at left back. In midfield, undoubtedly Max Powell will play. And I think new signing Glenn Rea will get a, a start alongside him. I think we'll have a completely new attacking front three of the midfield for this game with Guion Edwards J- and new signing Jamie McGrath, who was just captured from St. Mirren, comes down with a, a, a really good reputation. And our young academy product, Othello Hasgard, possibly playing in the number 10 role. And I expect to see Stevie Humphreys uh, start up front who was a summer signing we got from Rochdale a really busy centre forward 
He's only 23 and he's got a great future ahead of him. So that's the lineup that I, I think will play. A prediction from myself. It's very tough because I'm sure you'll make changes. But being the, ever the optimist, I'm going to go for a Wigan Athletic win 2-1. Thank you very much. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for that, lads. That's really good. Um, I heard your comment before there, Michael, about charging people. I think uh, it's because you started charging us by the hour. That's why we've had to get all these audio in, so we don't have to pay you as much. Too flipping yeah. right, but I tell you what, people do not appreciate how flipping hard it is doing this part. They think we just turn up on a Wednesday evening or whenever we decide to do it, um, and we just just turn up. Genuinely, anyone who li- literally looks at any of our Twitter stuff, we spend hours. There's not a day that goes by that we all we we don't all speak to each other. Not one. Um, so it's uh, it's a lot more it's a lot more long winded than it actually sounds. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you believe that Andy goes to most away games and doesn't go to Vale, but never mind. <laughs> right. That's anyway. never going. That's never going to quit me now, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so moving on. Anyway, let's get back on track. We keep these people too long. So on Saturday, there's no Phil Jagielka. There's no Jaden. Philogene Bidace nailed it and there's no Lewis Baker they're all cup tied trust Lewis Baker the first time he plays for Chelsea in about a decade means he can't now play for us on Saturday <laughs> so it's, um, it's about right isn't it but yeah so those three are out those three are all cup tied the other three January people who signings and that they are all available so I've gone with Jack Bonham in goal. I think he needs um, needs a confidence showing. I think his his confidence is dropping a bit. And hopefully he'll get you know get a good game under his belt on Saturday. Maybe probably he's probably going to have a few things to do without being overly busy. Hopefully, um, obviously. So yeah, if he gets a couple of saves, obviously he knows he can do it at League One level. He was quite you know he's actually quite a good player for Gillingham, wasn't he? So you know, hopefully against the League One side, albeit a very good one. It'll be a lot of positives from leaving him in between the sticks. Uh, I think Ben Wilmot will be at right back on Tuesday, which means I'm giving Tommy Smith a run out on Saturday in that position. Go with a 4-2-3-1, similar to how I played at Huddersfield. Morgan Fox in for timing on the left. Uh, Moore gets his debut in defence. And I'm going to stick alongside him, not James Chester, but Will Forrester. Who's, uh, he's been really highly rated. Hasn't he? You know, getting rave reviews from Mansfield as well. They, you know, they wanted him back, but Stoke have kept him around. And if they're keeping him around, the best place, the best thing to do with him is play him in this game. I think. And obviously, he played the Bournemouth game, didn't he? And scored at the end of last season. But let's stick him in the central defence with Moore. Let's see how he does, and then the manager can judge whether he, you know, whether he can trust him or not uh, between now and the end of the season. Going for a slightly more experienced midfielder, Klukas and Thompson sat in front of the midfield. And then uh, we've got Campbell on the right, right Phillips on the left. Major up front. And I'm actually going to, I'd like to start the game with Stephen Fletcher as a number 10. I think you've got a lot of pace around him there. He's going to play a little bit deeper. You can play the ball into him, into, you know, into his chest, into his feet. Uh, and I think, you know, with all that, youth and pace around him I think he'll do well in that role and it means that I haven't got to risk Nick Powell for 60-70 minutes coming back and getting injured <laughs> before before the league is kicking obviously you're allowed nine subs on the bench aren't you five you can use five 
So, you know, your time and Powell, Vrancic, Wilmot, Brown, Allen, Fielding, Howard Bellis, and then Tezgel. Leave him on the bench as well. And it, obviously, if the game is decided either way, you can bring him on for some extra experience. Mm, okay. Okay, I don't think mine's going to be too dissimilar to yours, mate, to be honest. Um, this isn't necessarily what I would do. It's what I think he will do. But I still think he'll stick with the five at the back personally, you know, the wing-back system. Um, so, uh, in terms of goalkeeper, uh, I would have had uh, Bursic, but I don't think he's going to be back um, in time. I think he would play him if he could, just to get him, you know, a little bit of kind of match sharpness. Um, but anyway, Bonham goes in goal, and then I've got Harwood, Ballis, Wilmot, and Moore uh, as the three centre-backs. Uh, Fox and Smith, either side of those. Um, not, don't quite think Fox is perfect to play the wing-back at all, but at the same time, again, time and gives him a bit of a break um we've then got in the middle thompson is the holding defender sorry holding midfielder um and then we've got uh powell and allen i think he'll play uh powell i know you're saying about not one game injured but i think it's just a good chance to get him some more minutes now i don't think he'll play the whole 90 minutes either way but powell will go into the middle and then i've got Maja and brown up front so i'm not i'm not going wholesale changes um, I'm just going a couple of key changes and obviously enforced ones as well. Okay, good. Sounds good. Um, probably I say different formation and that, but yeah, it's, it's a, sounds like a good side. I mean, what are you going for, Andy? I've gone for the same formation we've been playing for the last couple of games, which is the four-two-three-one. Is how I see it. So Bonham and goal, same backline as you: Dehaney, Forrester, Moore, and Fox. Uh, Thompson and Klukas, those holding uh, midfielders, and then I've gone for Brown on the right. Right, Phillips on the left. And then I want to give Powell maybe 60, 70 minutes. And then I put Stephen Fletcher up top. So it's a mix of both your teams, pretty much. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, what results are we going for then? So we've got Graham's 1 0. Mike's obviously um, going to go 1 0 because, you know, he just copies off all the guys. I was waiting for that. No, you know what? <laughs> um, I'm going to go 3 1 to Stoke. Ooh. I'm going 2-1 to Stoke with Fletcher getting that goal he for the Stoke against Wigan at home. Oh yeah, you know what? James McLean forgot all about him. Mm. Oh, he's the, he's the type of player that if we're drawing nil nil in the 95th minute with the chance and that he'll get Don't against say. him, he'll score. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> Quote me on that if we lose. <laughs> I think it's going to be. A t- I think it will be a tough game. I think it was one-one after ninety minutes. And I think we'll. I think we'll get the winner in extra time. Oh god! Don't say that. Just, <laughs> don't say that. Dan, buddy, Andy's got to catch up on the Vale score, mate. He can't. He can't be there for too long. <laughs> He'll miss praise and grumble ringing in. He will. <laughs> buddy, Al, Phil, and uh, and Lee Blakeman will be going absolutely nuts. Uh, never mind. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, Andy, you don't deserve this. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much uh, the teams we. Right, so this is it. The last thing we're going to do today is I've got a quiz. Obviously, we had a top 10 last week, it was uh, very popular, it seems. So, back with another one. Now, mm. I think I've said to you off, off air, I'm sorry, there's a, I, don't fan- I don't fancy anyone's chances of getting all 10 of these, right? Um, couple of getting about yeah. seven out of ten. So these are the last ten FA Cup ties that Stoke have played. I did, I've, I've been through loads of different things, but there's so many obscure answers. I thought they'll never get all ten. 
this was the one actually that was m- more likely than any of the others. It was like uh, who scored the last ten goals, who were the last ten wins. Was, but some of them were like who knocked us out the last ten years. They're all really ob- some of them were really obscure. So I'm going to give you now the year, whether it was home or away, and the score, and you tell me the the opposition. Okay. Obviously, you two working together, and we'll see uh, how many of them you can get. So twenty. We'll start with a nice easy one. Twenty twenty two. Home tie, we won 2 0. Leighton Orient. Leighton Orient. There we go. One out of one. That's, that's so, the easy one out of the way. 2021, home tie, 4 0 loss. Leicester. Yeah, that was the easy one. I remember watching it on the stream. I was like, oh my word. <laughs> James Justin scored for about 20 yards out. He did. Show us what we nearly had. Yeah. 2020, an away game, 1 0 defeat. Oh dear! <laughs> it was the third round. It's always the third round with us, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I got story here. Don't. I I I It's between two teams for me, and I I Go don't on. know. Go on, just throw one of them. It's probably again. I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth round, but uh, it's either Brentford or Rotherham, something like that. I don't know why I got Rotherham in my head. So, what what do you want to do, Andy? Which one? Go with Rotherham. Go with Rotherham. Alright, go Rotherham. It was Brentford. Oh, for (laughs) God's sake! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Andy, what are you playing at? Half a point. Half a point. So, twenty twenty nineteen. Um, it was an away game that ended 1 1, a home game, and then we lost 3 2 in the replay. Uh, that was Shrewsbury. Yeah, it was. Shrewsbury. What was then the Tyrese Derby? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, couldn't play. Uh, a very memorable game here. I'm sure you'll get this one. 2 2018, away game, lost 2 1, third round. That was Coventry. Coventry City. It was. Certain manager's final uh, game, that one. Sat before he got home, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's going to forget that one. We're on the coach. Uh, 2017, this is a bit of a tough one, I think. 2017, home tie, third round, lost 2-0. I don't think it was a team which played exactly like they play far away. It was a close, like they were base close, so I'm thinking of Midlands team. you got Villa, West Brom, Wolverhampton, Warsaw. Well, it it wouldn't that, have been Walsall. No. I, I think that was League Cup when we played there yeah. last. You've got uh, Villa, you've got Coventry, you've got West Brom, mm. Wolverhampton. Uh, what? I don't think we played Villa any time recently, mate. No. Uh, no, to take a punt, I don't know. I don't really I'm know. going Wolverhampton. It was Wolves. <laughs> mate, you're pulling it out here. Well done. No, I was thinking tw- W's in that. 2016, now the last time we were in the fourth round. God. This was a 1-0 away defeat. This is another tough one. We're getting in the memory bank now. Last time we were in the fourth round, we lost to this team away from home 1-0. So, Andy... In the Premier League, then. We Yeah. Uh, we were... 
we played Doncaster in the round before. Yeah, we did. I'll take that one off already for you then. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that, is that one of the other ones, is it? Well, yeah, because it was the last 10 ties, so that was the next one. I think mm-hmm. we were given a Premier League opposition. I think we were given a Premier League opposition. I don't have a clue who it is there, mate. Not, not the foggiest. Let's go for a random Premier League club that was there. So it wasn't anyone big, or else we remember it. Yeah. Um, Fulham weren't in the Premier League at that point, I don't think, were they? If you, if you want to... Were QPR, Palace? If you want to go London clubs... Palace, QPR, and then you've obviously got the bigger ones like Arsenal and that, which we'd obviously remember. <sighs> go, 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 QPR, mate. Whatever, go QPR. Yeah. It was Crystal Palace. Mm. Crystal Don't Palace. That uh, so you got the Doncaster one already. So, so how many is that now? So now that is six out of eight so far. Okay. So you got, got two left. Both ended 4-1. So you got 2015, an away game, we lost 4-1. Yeah, well, I know one of them, because I remember, uh, I think Muniesa pulled up in one of them. Uh, yeah. It was away to Blackburn, and it was an absolute disastrous, like, 20 Fifth minutes. round, that was, I think. Yeah, fifth round tie. Um, no, is say this the Bojan? This is... is it... No. Is it Bojan? No. That's and too far 20... 2015, away at... This side, 4-1 win. The last time we won in the fourth round. Because the only one I remember was against Rochdale, but that was in... That was televised. But 2015, is that... 2014. That Yeah, that was Bojan. Was it 4-1, though? I don't remember us winning that, that comprehensively, but could well, be what, wrong. If it was Rochdale, what league were they in at this point? Hmm... Sorry, go Rochdale. Still, yeah, I, say, I don't it. remember the score though. Go with it. It was indeed Rochdale. It was Rochdale. Bloody hell! So you got eight out of ten there, which I better think than seven, correct. which you predicted. I said seven was an A grade, so you've actually got an A star there. Well done. <laughs> oh yes, what a team! Can't wait to write that on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bouchon sort of. That's what happens when we win a fourth round games. That's why I'm leaving Nick Powell on the bench. Who scored in that game? It was. Here we go. You had Bojan who scored in the fourth, Stephen Island, Moses, and Walters. Oh, God, yes. Okay, now I remember. Yeah. Good old Johnny Walters. Great. Old I think Johnny that's probably Walters. about it, don't you think, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, another one, another one done. I enjoyed that, lads. Very yes, good. lovely. Well, um, thank you very much. Some nice revelations come out of that as well about uh, Andy's affinity to Port Vale. So, um, I would say affinity. <laughs> he mates an academy keeper, so I was like, oh, I felt a bit sorry for him. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, thanks <laughs> both for, for, for turning up anyway. Uh, thanks for being on time, Dan. Brilliant. And, um Yeah, I guess uh, we'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Adios. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them. Honestly, 
If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.